everyone, and welcome back to the Comeuppance Reviews podcast. This is the Brettster speaking. Hey, it's a time man. We have a special guest, Matt Poirier, the DTVC. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> great, great. Thanks for having yeah. me on again. You're very welcome. You're a collaborator, really. So. <laughs> How can we not have you for such a momentous occasion? Yes, it is. Um, so this is the first time we've ever done something like this. So I know a lot of other podcasts do this, or maybe not a lot, but some, where they take one movie and they kind of break it down. We've never done that on this show, so we're going to give it a whirl because we're always trying to come up with something new to do. And um, we picked, wait for it, Righteous Kill. Yep. So you're probably wondering out there, of all the movies in the world, why, for the first time of you doing this sort of podcast, did you pick Righteous Kill, of all things? And um, I'll, leave, I'll open this to the floor, but my take on this is we always seem to refer back to it like another podcast like well some, yeah. someone will make a righteous kill reference and um so there's that there's also the fact that it's very funny i believe unintentionally pretty oh, sure absolutely hilarious and it has all it's made by people and you know produced by a company we all enjoy new image and millennium films well there's that also yeah. there's a kind of a hometown connection because part of the movie was shot in bridgeport connecticut yep that's great i think we saw some landmarks maybe some shoes uh, yeah. on there. <laughs> Shoes? Like, well, we'll have to come no, back to that. Well, no, the shoes uh, on the uh, on the electrical wire. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Right, right. That could have been. Um, and the other thing is, you know, there are a lot of B-movies, cult movies, underground movies, and all the type of movies we normally talk about that have ridiculous plot machinations and very silly dialogue. This is a movie with two of supposedly our greatest actors, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, and it has the same, like, silly ridiculous dialogue and <laughs> insane situations that a, a like a low way lower budget movie would have so that is kind of fascinating so i think for all those reasons and more we chose righteous kill to be the first right. and breakdown podcast we're doing exactly and matt what do you think about that kind of opening we just said yeah i think first off like you both said you know we this this movie comes up so many times when we're, we're you know, at least when we're talking about other movies. I, and I think also, too, like you said, Brett, I mean, De Niro and Pacino, I mean, I think, you know, the other two names you probably put with them are maybe like Nicholson and, and Hoffman, right? In terms of like actors sure. that were born in that like late 30s, early 40s period that came of age in the late 60s into the 70s and then just sort of continued to be forces into the 80s, into the 90s. Um, these are the names, right? And the fact that this is the movie we got from these two. <laughs> Is, yeah, it, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Actually, you know, I really prepared for this. I was telling you guys off there. I have I have quotes from uh, contemporary reviewers. I have facts. I have some facts and figures about the movie. Um, uh, according to something I read, it said, and I'm quoting this now, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have said in interviews that they did not feel proud of the final result of Righteous Kill. They even stated feeling unworthy of their fans' appreciation during the premiere. With Pacino going as far as saying that it is a movie they're both trying to forget. Therefore, both actors agreed that the next project they collaborated in together would be one to be proud of. Eleven years later, they were finally proud and pleased with their next collaboration, Martin Scorsese's The Irish Man. Well, hey, Irish Man. It was like, <laughs> there was like, well, first off, he's lying because Regis Kill is amazing. So it's like he, he just, he's jealous because The Irishman's worse. So, well, I, if my understanding of the Irishman is that it's uh, uh, it's about 27 hours of backward masking face technology. I mean, yeah, well, how I'm, is that I'm, better than exactly. this brief 100-minute goof fest? Right. <laughs> That's a well, great and, point. 
Yeah, the thing with the Irishman, right, like you said, is the, the decision that Martin Scorsese made to try to use some sort of technology to make De Niro younger when we had The Godfather Part Two, right? One of the greatest, maybe the, maybe the greatest sequel of all time, right? And maybe, I don't know if you know, people think of like Empire Strikes Back or something like that is potentially better. But, you know, one of the greatest films of all time, The Godfather Part Two, where it wasn't like, I mean, granted, they didn't have the technology to make someone look younger back then, but it wasn't like like Coppola said, well, I need to get Brando back in and make him play a younger version of himself, right? <laughs> right, right. They went and got De Niro, who ends up winning an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in the role of the younger Brando. And it's like, okay, so you already have this. You know, like somebody mentioned, um, as a radio host I listened to, um, Jim Murray in, in Boston, he said Miles Teller would have been a good young De Niro, right? Um and and I think that would have been okay. You know, I think we would have all been okay with that if there was like a Miles Teller, and then you kind of mix in this older De Niro with it. It you know would have actually we, we probably would have said like the Irishman is the better movie, right? Of the sort of like the two, but the Irishman ends up becoming like a, a kind of a, a different kind of goof fest, I guess, right? It's like <laughs> it's 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 a different thing. That this movie, Righteous Kill, is like De Niro and Pacino as like aging basketball legends like if like 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 if magic johnson and larry bird right if the first time they ever played together on a team if it wasn't the dream team in the early 90s but instead was like some sort of like like i don't know like like some sort of like billionaires like basketball tournament thing right and and like some really weird billionaire like an elon musk or somebody like that who's like you know got got you know all kinds of issues you know things that you know or like uh, zuckerberg right like if the facebook guy just decided to create him and that was how we got the the, the two of them together that's kind of like what this is whereas the irishman is like a i don't know it's like the eagles doing another you know, hell freezes over toward a bit more money. <laughs> well, and there's a couple of connections with what you just said. One is obviously De Niro and Pacino were both in Godfather 2. And also the, a, a big theme of all this is aging. Yeah. Because, you know, we might make some cracks about how old yes. they are. I just want to make this clear that we're not making fun of them because they're old. We would never right. do that. That's a very sort of rude it's thing to do. I would never do that. It's ageist. It, I, I wouldn't do it anyway. What I think is funny about all this is how the movie, not these guys, the movie presents them as young or right. younger. And that's absolutely hilarious. That's one of the main sources of comedy of this movie is how yeah. they act quote unquote, and say things that are quote unquote young. So, so the fact that there's we're talking about other things with that they do with the aging technology or getting other actors to play here, they're their age that they are with no aging technology, but they're playing younger just in their acting. So it's it's very funny. And also when Heat came out, I remember there's a lot of hype. If you guys remember, oh, De Niro and Pacino together. Oh my they're god. Back. Yeah. I, I, I saw this is my fourth watch of this movie. Yeah, that's so, another thing we want to make sure that you say. So you're I saw it in theaters back in '08. Wow. Then I just watched it on old Netflix streaming when they had like a stars deal or whatever. Yeah, and I just watched, I watched it just it. for fun on DVD. And then now, you know, yesterday, July 22nd. Yeah. This is my second watch. July 22nd, um, 2023, I watched it again. And really? so, you know, we had the, um, you know, we had the Godfather, obviously people were, you know, with good reason excited about that. Then they had the heat. Um, and so people were very excited about that. Now with this, it's kind of like, there's a bit of resignation, like, oh, here they are again. You know what I mean? It's not well, like a they, big they event. Switch. Well, now we'll, we'll get to that when we, when we start breaking it down. I guess, do you want to start or do you want to just... Uh... Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll start because I have all these notes. Uh, all right. 
So I know, and so as you said, Righteous Kill came out in 2008, directed by John Avnet, who later worked, as as you pointed out, with uh, uh, with Pacino again in another classic. Uh, 88 minutes. <laughs> 88 minutes. Um, well, Brad, you got to do the line, right? Oh, uh, you think I blew up my own car? Yeah, you think I blew up my own car? <laughs> yeah, so that's what uh, Pacino Ooh, says. Righteous <laughs> Kill. Maybe we'll do Maybe we'll do an 88 minutes breakdown someday. If this goes well. it I just watched it. I, but I can always rewatch it again. <laughs> um, so we need listener feedback on this. If you like the way this goes, listeners, then we'll do another one. So, okay, so but go easy on us because it's the first first time. Okay. Um, okay. So it starts. The movie opens with this montage slash credit sequence of them trying to be cool slash young, and that's how they're presented. They're in a shooting range, not with just the normal pistols, but with machine guns. <laughs> So I don't I know I'm not a law enforcement officer. I've never been a law enforcement officer. I don't know if that's standard practice. But Matt, do you think that two elderly men and that's what they are? I mean, they, they certainly qualify for AARP benefits. Would they be on the New York City police force in the, you know, the shooting range with like a machine gun automatic rifle or whatever that is? Wait, you know, it's a great question, right? Because, um, yeah, right, because right, the age, right? They say that they've been on the force for 30 years, which would have been 1978. Which, right, if you start in law enforcement in your mid 20s in 1978, they would have been born in like their in the 50s. So they're still, right? They're still in their their early 50s. If there's, you know, right? If that's what we're saying <laughs> yeah. that they are. And that is that's right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, yeah, the, the machine gun aspect, like I could see like from a New York NYPD standpoint, if you were in the force long enough, it's almost like probably like having tenure with um with a you know as as a professor like if you're, a like if you're there long enough like you right. attain the rank of being able to shoot a machine gun you can do whatever you want right like you probably can just go out to the the, the confiscation room there and you know grab whatever it's there, there's probably even a sense that you probably do your own um fast lane right where you just go and grab all the cars you want and oh yeah the I like that. yeah, yeah go, go to we were just yellow. talking about fast lane while we were watching yesterday yeah, yeah. there are a couple of parallels yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, and so then we set the template with some very stupid dialogue that uh, um, that will make you roll your eyes and, and in a good way. Uh, you know, all this might sound insulting, but what we all find this movie, and I think I can say this for you, Matt, extremely entertaining. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's another term, fascinating. <laughs> fascinating, yeah. Fascinating, a masterpiece. Tour de force. <laughs> yeah. Tour de France. Who knows? So then we're... <laughs> We're introduced. We're introduced to like you know the cool color changing montage with some fast editing with the credits and the machine guns and some dumb dialogue. Then we cut to De Niro's confession. So we have this very dour, serious De Niro uh, confessing in a grainy black and white video about some of his past misdeeds and the fact that his name is is David Fisk or is it, um, um, and that his nickname is Turk. And Are they, they really off, accentuate that Turk. Yeah, yeah, Turk and 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 Pacino is Rooster. Ooh, <laughs> Rooster. Ooh. And so he's he's you know he's in a very serious tone, uh, looking right at the camera and talking about how they've done some bad things, including framing this guy who was a bad guy, but they're framing him just right. to make sure. It was uh, Charles. Um, yes, Randall. Uh, Charles Randall. Charles That's Randall. Good. Yes. Yeah. Or Chuck That's Randall. Good. They call him Chuck, Charles. and they call him Chuck a couple times. Like, okay, okay, Chuck Randall. I just call him Chuck. I mean. And then straight from that, we go to them pulling up at Club 404, yep, which is a this hot hip-hop nightclub in Harlem, um, with what appears to be a lesser member of the G-Unit rapping on a big stage. 
and a bunch of people uh, dancing around because this is the club of a gangsta, possibly a gangster, we don't really know, uh, played by 50 Cent uh, as Spider. Um, so kind of apropos of nothing, they go from one thing to the yeah, right to the next. It was right to it. Uh, it's like, yeah, there's not much breathing room there. And and But there's a reason for that. Um, so uh, in my facts, I have the initial cut of this movie ran for two hours. But after a rather negative test screening, which I find hard to believe, New yeah. Image hastily recut the film down to its slender one hour and 40 minutes to make it more fast paced and action orientated. Um, or oriented, I think it should be. Uh, snippets of the deleted scenes can be seen in the trailer. So so there's a lot of compressed time in this movie. So like there's Great things point. that like, kind of get like compressed down because you can tell they, New Image just kind of like broke out the scissors and wanted to make it leaner and meaner, which I kind of applaud, but we don't know what we're missing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, what do you think? It's just like, so you do you like uh, want to be part of Club 404? <laughs> do you want to be in that club? In the club? Like, like Mike Fitty once said. Fitty said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the best, right, is when they get in and De Niro says to, or Turk, you know, De Niro says to Pacino, <laughs> to Turk, to, you know, I got to take a leak. And he just right. leaves Pacino sitting there at the bar. I would have given anything to be next to Pacino. Because Pacino's character throughout most of this is a cheese ball. And so uh, the conversation <laughs> that you could have potentially had sitting next to, you know, it's like, yeah, whoa, look at this alcohol. It's great. Oh, I play chess. Did you know I play chess? It's fun. Well, that comes, that comes in later. They, That's a great point. Them. Yeah. It's like, well, because my first initial thought when he had to hit the bathroom was, well, that figure is his bladder is probably it's got some very, issues. very small. So, it's like, <laughs> so that tracks. You know? It was starting to get to a, a commercial about, um, what, what is what is the the um the, there's always a medication who knows you know yeah i was trying to think of the one like the supplement that guys take for their their prostate for sure. you know super beta <laughs> prostate right super beta prostate yeah that's it i take five thousand pills of palmetto saw palmetto or you can take one super beta prostate <laughs> exactly right it's like uh, as, as somebody on the force it's hard for me to keep up with these young kids and I, you know, <laughs> oh so that's what the david fist confession was yeah it's actually a super beta prostate this is a righteous prostate Oh. <laughs> it's a righteous pill. Yeah, righteous pill. <laughs> uh, I'll leave now. And so De Niro, this is where we kind of get the idea that he says whatever a lot, I think, because oh, yeah. he's trying to sound young. Yeah, so yeah, a lot whatever. of times De Niro just goes whatever. Um, then after that, after that whole setup with Club 404, at 10 minutes and 11 seconds into the movie, we get what is arguably the best character, Rambo the Skateboarding Pimp. <laughs> Now, this is played by skateboarder slash MTV personality Rob Deerdeck. Yeah, Deerdeck, uh, yeah. Um, and a tour de force performance as we yes. skateboarding. See, or, the thing about, yeah. Go ahead, please. Well, I, well, I was just going to say, you know, because basically the plot of the movie is that these bad guys, almost in a Dexter style fashion, are dying and they're trying to figure out who it is. The, 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 a lot, you know, a lot of times those side characters are like a lot more interesting than the main characters. And so, unfortunately, Rambo doesn't get that much actual screen time, but they refer back to him a number of times. A fair amount, I thought. It's like, okay, so then his name is actually Robert Brady. Right. It's like, Which leads to a bunch of very eye-rolling Tarantino-esque pop culture dialogue where they're saying how it's like the Brady Bunch. Well, before we talk about that for a second, you know, this serial killer leaves poetry every time someone right. gets killed. Right. So like, they call him Poetry Boy, which is one right. of the... I, my well, eye fell out of my socket. How, how much well, because we were saying, as, as serial killer names go, Poetry Boy is not <laughs> up there with the most scary. 
Um, and they never give him another name. They always call this rhyming killer the poetry boy. Um, and so they're trying to look for poetry boy, but also there's some hot new cops, younger cops. Well, it would be hard to be much older, but younger cops that were introduced to later that are trying to figure out who the real well, poetry boy is. Well, that's only not only that though. Oh, Matt, do you want to say something? I thought you wanted. To... Well, well, I mean, we, we the, the Rob Dyrdek thing. I yeah, think it's like a lot of Rob Dyrdek. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's not gloss over let's Dyrdek. Let's break down some Rob Dyrdek. Well, because I'm wondering if he was some of the edited scenes, right? Because you're yes. right, like. He seems to be a bigger character despite only being in the film for a few seconds. An another one that I think might be edited out was um, Melissa Leo, who plays the wife of that Charles Randall killer guy that they framed. Oh, yes. yes. And I mean, she's I... winning an Oscar like a year or two later for The Fighter. So I wonder if those were two people who who were meant to be in the film more and were, were edited out. They were part of that whatever oh, 30 minutes. I, there's almost time. no doubt about it. Like that was one of those compressed time sort of things where um, – I think Ty, you even mentioned while we were watching it, like there was probably more with her. Probably more first, probably more with uh, was it Philip Van Lighten, my favorite character. Yes, one of your favorite characters. <laughs> yes. Now, is that Anthony Michael Hall, or is it just the guy from SVU who looks exactly like it, Anthony Michael? Or like a fake Neil McDonough. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought it was fake Neil McDonough. Um, but we'll get well, to well, him. We as, gotta go back to Deerdick. So yeah, because he's one of the victims of Poetry Boy that shows up. He's later one of the first one. Really. Um, so. All right, so then we have the fact that Rambo, the skateboarding camp, is named Bobby Brady. They have some stupid dialogue about that. Then also we notice this is when they kind of introduce, like, at the end of a lot of scenes, the scene will go right to slow motion. Like, it'll be, like, almost like a like a drama, like a TV drama where, like, they're, like at the end of the scene, you'll see a couple slow motion moments of, like, De Niro looking displeased, and then it will cut to the next scene. Um, that's where we notice that starts to happen. Well I don't know. So his name is Rambo the Skateboarding Pimp. Right. Like, so we get a bit of Rob Dyrdek skateboarding, I guess, just to prove that. Hot um, skateboarding, dude. He's, 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 great. he's better than Tony Hawk. Or I call him Anthony Hawk. Like, well. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like 65 years old now, Tony Hawk, so he has to be called Anthony. So it's like, um, <laughs> how did he so, get this name? How did he – but that's what we're missing, right? Like – uh, oh, we yeah, we well, talk about the lawyer, right? The lawyer who gets caught by De Niro in the bathroom. Oh, that's that's coming up. Oh, okay, so, okay. So then we, you know, we're introduced to the rhyming card that the poetry boy leaves at every scene. Then we get to a scene of Brian Dennehy, who let's not forget is also in this movie and one of the, <laughs> definitely one of the better actors. Uh, yes, it has Lieutenant Hingis. <laughs> yeah, he he plays Hingis, and then in that scene he mocks them for being old. <laughs> he mocks <laughs> them for being old. It's like, wait, yeah, wait a second. He's like, between the two of you, you've been on the force for 120 years. <laughs> uh, and then as I said, well, <laughs> between the one of you, he's been on the force for 120 years. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to a scene in Club 404 with the, a lawyer named Jessica. Right. Who Played is, by what, Trilby Glover. Uh, Great name, Trilby. <laughs> yes, yes. Trilby Glover, who, who I'm not familiar with her really, but she... Definitely reminded us of Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Um, so she's in, uh, well, I think we actually went out of order here. Yeah. So when when De Niro was in the bathroom, which, you know, which we talked about, she goes into the men's bathroom just to do some coke. Uh, then at that point, De Niro realizes he could use her as bait to get to Spider. So now we're in a scene where the lawyer, Jessica, is in a warehouse undercover to try and buy some crow from Spider. Um, and we're introduced to another great side character, uh, Spider's bodyguard, Stubby. Matt, what do you think of Stubby? <laughs> Stubby. 
was Stubby was fantastic. I think first <laughs> off, because 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 so many like movies from the '90s, right, had a comic relief Stubby kind of character. <laughs> yes, and so it's really hard to divorce that with what's going to happen to Stubby. Um, the other quick thing I wanted to say about Trilby Glover is she is like the 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 strongest connection to the Emmett Furla Oasis thing, right? Because she's that there there's a Trilby Glover in almost every one of these Emmett Furla Oasis movies. They're usually played by someone like a Susie Abramite or you know we of course you know Tyne I know of of Ava right who's Ava, right. you know there, there's always this younger blonde woman. Who is you know I mean Lala Kent right um you know yeah, Lala the, Kent's perfect yeah she's all right, right, over she's, those yeah a Randall exactly. scandal on Hulu exactly <laughs> right so yeah so this is Trilby Glover is the thing that makes this the most Emmett Furlow everything else about this movie doesn't really feel Emmett Furlow Oasis but well, but Trilby Glover said also he's been hanging that's a good point yeah. yeah but besides yeah. that but Trilby yeah so so then they used uh, Trilby to uh, try and bust Spider but and they said oh and also they set up this whole like control center in this in a i guess an adjoining warehouse which we'll see again later so yeah it's all these screens set up. great yeah. by the way either it's like oh yeah here's some warehouse it, it looked very very low rent it's just like yeah <laughs> so then of course this all goes wrong and spoiler alert stubby gets shot yes but before uh stubby well see de niro's getting mad at spider and stubby's looking at it, like oh i need to fix this and then spider goes stubby no stubby no <laughs> yes, there's an actual line of dialogue, which I, I put in quotes, no stubby, no, which reminds me a lot of uh, run, Jimmy, run from Abraxas, which is yeah, said yeah. by, uh, um, what's his name, the governor, just, uh, Jesse just, Ventura. Just the body, yeah. Yes, or or run, Lola, run. It could be anytime you put like a, a word, then a word, and then a word, then the same word. It's always kind of funny. Well, there's that stupid movie with Simon Pay called Run, Fat Boy, Run. He's not really that fat. It's like... <laughs> Maybe but, a, a not light like beer gut. You know, Stubby, you know, and this kind of goes back to a fast lane reference because, you know, if you remember, there was Big Boy in, um, in Fast Lane, who was kind of like the guys, or he was the guy helping our main characters and did provide some comic relief as well as help. And I try to think of, um, hold on one second. Well, keep talking about Stubby for a second because I have another connection. Okay. Well, then think about, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say one other thing about Stubby is, um, his, <laughs> He, he he's credited as Fatso Fasano, um, yes, yes. as Mister's real name, Terrell G. Ramsey. But but yeah, the the no stubby no, it it just plays <laughs> into more of like the whole like like you could just see like like you said like the running thing like in a comedic movie, right? Like it's like no stubby no, and he falls right, and maybe he's like right. carrying like a whole like tray of food, and it all smashes him in the face, like, like maybe like in a high school movie or something like that, like. It's the whole vibe of that, only he's getting shot by uh, Pacino and, and De Niro. And right, he's like, he's right. all, he called Fat Boy like a million times. Too. Yeah, like, they say, oh, the fat, fat guy did this. And they, they yeah, even the kids are like, yeah, the fat guy got killed, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, see, I think of Stubby as kind of a similar character to Marty from uh, True Romance. Oh, yes. Played by Paul Bates, <laughs> if you remember. Remember, mm-hmm. he was uh, uh, Gary Oldman's like kind of bodyguard guy, very similar. Well, I guess now we all have to have a stubby. That's like a prerequisite. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the, the yes, the fat guy named Tiny and uh right, yes, Grid, it's exactly Gridiron like Gay, whatever it was with uh, the Rock. Or lots of things with a fat guy's named Tiny. Yeah. Um, but in I this case, what, at least they, they, they did. I give him credit for not calling him Tiny. They called him yeah. Stubby. So Stubby's <laughs> good. Stubby's good. <laughs> so then funny, right? we talked about shot. Stubby more than we talked about Deerdick. Which is kind yeah, of well, funny. he gets a little more screen time and something. Well, of course, they both got shot. Um, that's true but um <laughs> so 
<laughs> awesome. Uh, yes. So then, you know, there's not now there's an IAB investigation. There's some whiplash camera work where the camera's whipping around all over the place. And uh, it turns out both of our heroes, if you want to call them that, Rooster and Turk, now have to visit Dr. Prosky, who is a like police psychologist, and he gives them each a notebook to write down their thoughts. Hmm, a notebook. They might be able to write down poems. <laughs> it's really small. It's like it's like a it's like a pocket. It's like really it's like it's, you can fit it in like your pinky. It's so small. It's like yeah. how can you write all that stuff? And then one of the questions that Prosky asked De Niro is, how do you feel when innocents get shot? And De Niro's response, and there was a, there's a little more to it, but he goes, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's like, okay. Oh, that, yeah, it's, it sucks. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like we're saying whatever. Like, it's just it's sort of like almost teenage dialogue that these older yes. men are saying. It's kind of funny. Oh, it's hilarious. I wish they talked about like MySpace or something. That'd be really funny. It's like <laughs> that would have been great. Um, Whoa, Turk, are you on MySpace? I am on Rooster. I'm on MySpace. <laughs> it's like, um, all right. Any friend at Stubby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad timing. Um, <laughs> That's true. Poor Stubby. R.I.P. Stubby. <laughs> oh, okay. So now, I, you know, because another side plot is that De Niro is a uh, like coach um both for uh, the police team and for like young girls and um so at the police version we're finally introduced to john leguizamo and donnie Wahlberg. um well before we get uh, to those characters doesn't yes. forget about carla gagino right oh yes yes who's she's sort of like the csi tech that's in a relationship with turk de niro <laughs> turk uh, de niro <laughs> yeah turk de niro Right, which she yeah. she played his he played her father when she was younger, right? What was that? I can't remember the, the role. This boy's um, life. This boy's, this boy's life. life, right? That because it was like what was it? It was I can't remember. I think she did that one after or before she did Troop Beverly Hills, where she played like a a fourteen year old that she was like eighteen or nineteen in that movie. Um, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of funny that like yeah, now she's playing the romantic and and, it, and I mean again, they're supposed to be like maybe in the movie like fifteen years apart in age. They are 30 years <laughs> apart, roughly, right. in age. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that just from an age standpoint. Um, and so uh, Leguizamo is Detective Simon Perez. Um, let's see. I didn't get, I didn't get Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg's first. Riley? It, apparently his name is Ted. Teddy Riley. Teddy, Teddy Riley, Riley, right, from, from Rum Shame, from uh, Rex and Effects. I was going to say, yeah, he was like a, a singer also. Right. Um, <laughs> they have great so, chemistry because they were just in the kill point a year earlier. Yeah. Right, they were together in the kill point. And Ty, you pointed out that a lot of Donnie's actions in this are oh, very like, blue bloods. It's like it's like watching him in blue bloods. It's like he's like a detective on the case. He's kind of exasperated. He has to like kind of the unshaven beard. It's just like watching blue bloods. Yeah, because what, what I this is this is another fascinating piece of this movie for me is that you know Donnie Wahlberg, John Leguizamo, and and Carlo Gugino, they would be the people you would expect to be in a co-starring in a movie like this with with. Um, Pacino and, and De Niro, but you put them together with Brian Dennehy, and the whole thing feels like a like a two part episode of a police procedural. At yeah. the same time that we've got Trilby Glover making it feel like a um a, an Emmett Furlow Oasis film, it's it's such a strange thing to have that that vibe of, and it, and it even has the beats of a police procedural, even when it's trying not to. That it's really interesting. Yes, I would agree with that. And um, so at this softball game, we learned that. Uh, Leguizamo, Simon, he hates Turk right from the jump. Yep. <laughs> so there's no build up to that. He's like, oh, 
uh, Tarek, uh, and yeah. uh, with the, which leads to a famous line later that we'll get yes. to. And then we're we're informed that both Turk and Brewster have seniority. Like, of course they do. Yeah, yeah, um, they have seniority. A lot of it. <laughs> and um, and also during the stakeout, we have some more Tarantino light references where they talk about underdog for a couple minutes. It's like, yeah, like um, he had that pill. He popped the pill. Oh, he's a drug addict. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's taken right from Tarantino because it doesn't really advance the plot at all. It's just Wasn't more. There another one they're talking about. Oh, well, they're was- like. They really hammered the Bobby Brady thing. They mentioned the Brady bunch a couple times, and he said, like, oh, who's next? A Partridge family? It's like so. great, fantastic references for their age. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> um, they, they should have been mentioning, you know, Faye Ray and uh, King Kong. And God only yeah, knows. maybe some Dobie uh, Gillis. Just like... Yeah. Right. Their, their kids would have been watching the Partridge family, right. the Brady bunch, you know, when they got home from school. That's essentially the age that we're really talking about with them. Then we yeah, have another murder of. Uh, oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you. Oh off. no, I was gonna say we're oh. supposed to believe that they were watching those shows growing up, as opposed to their kids watching them. Right, their kids exactly, watching. exactly. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> then we have the death of your favorite character, Ty uh, Van Van Heiden. Oh, Van Lightens, yeah, Van Lightens. <laughs> Who's the Anthony Michael Hall question mark guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, it, De Niro calls everyone a mutt. It's like you mutt, yeah. you, you <laughs> freaking mutt. Just like, oh, yeah, that's his mutt. big. Uh, <laughs> that's his big line that he calls everyone. Yeah, kind of like how uh, Daniel Baldwin called everyone slappy or sparky. Right, Desert Thunder. Yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of like his thing. Hey, uh, slappy. Well, I mean, the slappy and the stinkers. You know, B.D. Wong's best work besides uh, SVU. So like, sure. And I can see it all goes, all goes back. All to goes SVU. back to slappy and the stinkers. Well, <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. But, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so this is when we realize a lot of this movie consists of a crime scene and then Turk and Rooster showing up to it. Like, if you just keep that in mind, it's like, there's a crime, they show up. There's a crime, they show up. It's very, like, repetitive, you know? And then here they are walking into the crime scene again. And then Legosum's like, hey, why are you here all the time? What's going on here? (laughs) Because they're wise to that one of them might be the poetry boy. (laughs) Manny Poetry, any, uh, I, you know, any, I can't even speak, it's so ridiculous. (laughs) Any observations? This is for me where the movie starts to turn into a bit of a slog because you're you're right. It's this repetitive thing, and it's like we kind of know where the movie's going. We 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 have a sense of where this is. We we have a sense of where the movie <laughs> wants us to believe it's going, but where they're actually also going to take us at the same time. We have it all kind of figured out by this point, a half hour in, and so now it's just a matter of them sort of like trying to like throw these red herrings in. And, right. and and delay things when when we already really know where it's going. And so for me, this was where the movie got to be a bit of a slog. Was it was just like okay, next time it's you know here's another crime scene. Oh, here's another argument between you know De Niro and and, oh, yeah, and Blake Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of crosstalk where people start talking and yelling over each other, which yes. is oh, yeah. always it's a cop, it's a cop, it's a cop. It's like yeah, and, and, and a lot of repetitive dialogue. <laughs> On top of the repetitive scenes, there's some repetitive dialogue, and they say yeah. words over and over again. But what, what, um, what's great about that scene where they're all like in that after Van Lightens gets killed, um, they're all there. You know, yeah, like Osamo, Gugino, De Niro, Pacino, and Donnie Wahlberg. Like, this is that's amazing to have them all in one scene. Yeah, that is true. That was cool. But uh, the movie itself is, you know, is, is well, it's a masterpiece, as I call it. No, <laughs> yes. uh, no negative. Um, like, so, you know, there's this, and the other thing is after Van Huygens died, <laughs> I keep calling it Van Lightens. <laughs> after he dies, before that, there's this big scuffle in the courtroom when he's acquitted. Between Turk and Rooster, and he calls him a mutt. Then he ends up dead, which no one seems to find at all odd. Like he gets into this big conflict with Turk and Rooster, and then he's dead, which a lot of people were witness to. Uh, yeah, 
I wonder if this was another edited thing. I wonder if there was like a conversation that like like maybe Dennehy was having with Leguizamo and Wahlberg about the fact that like, oh, it's got to be it's got to be De Niro for this. Right. Because we, you know, everybody, all these witnesses in the courtroom saw him threatening. And like, I wonder if there was more of that scene there. And again, it just got cut because you're right. Like it, it, it when they start pointing things at De Niro, this should have been an obvious like reason why they were pointing in that direction. And it was really just like, well, he's got a connection to all the victims. You know, and it's like, well, yeah. And uh, they have that scene with after the uh, priest gets killed. Like, well, he right. got his first communion there. Like, this is this is not this is adding up. It's plausible as a as right, a, right. Where, they, they, where, they, this, where the Chino floats the idea in that scene where they're all together that oh yeah, it's a cop. It could be a cop. He does that um, weird popping noise. He has that. He puts his bat up. <laughs> right, right, and then then the second he does that, everyone's completely on board with this theory. Yeah. Um, well, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah, except for Zamo immediately goes, oh, it is a cop. It's a cop. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's 100% on, on board. All Dicino had to do was lift up his badge, not say anything yeah. except make that noise. And then all of a sudden, everyone is completely on board except De Niro. Um, then that we get to a scene where Dennehy, uh, you know, they're in trouble for all this. And then Dennehy threatens their pension, which, you know, <laughs> it would, I would imagine would be a very important factor for them. Um, I, they would need that for their Medicare Part B, you know. Then, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> then after all that, we get a recap of yes, uh, the recap. of what happened thus far. So there's so in case you weren't following all this, there's like a scene where they kind of recap what we've gotten so far. Then there's a scene where they visit Randall. If you remember Chuck Randall, the guy they framed in prison. <laughs> then they go to a bar, which is uh, four legends in one scene. You know, the four characters. Then there's some. They have some great looks. If you remember, like. De Niro kind of looks to the side, and there's a lot of looking. There's a lot of looking in this scene. Right. Yeah, um, a lot of that looking. Yeah. Then he, there's a, uh, a scene where he discusses the situation with Carlo Gugino. Then there's a split screen while they're in the workout room. Now this is another one of those scenes that you have to laugh. There's <laughs> the four guys, you know, that we've mentioned. They're all working out, and um, De Niro, you know, be careful. De Niro. I, <laughs> You know, he's lifting some heavy iron. It looks like he may tear something at any moment. It's scary to look at. Um, but yeah, they're having, they're trying to advance the plot with certain dialogue. It doesn't really work, but they're trying to do it like in a way where they're in motion, kind of like, you know, in in the Law and Order episode where they're interviewing people, but the, the guy's still at work and he's moving boxes. You know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Just because if they didn't do that, it would be kind of boring where they're just kind of standing there talking. So it's kind of well, like one of those where they're, if you they're just me, talking, but they're also working yeah. out. If you excuse me, I have to get back to work. And they cut. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you're talking to the police about a murder. Like I think your boss will understand if you, right. you, know, you, if you stop keep moving, moving the boxes. That's what's so funny because I don't know what episode this is, but you know Kevin Smith was one of those suspects in the you know and one is longer where he just moves boxes. So it's like <laughs> it's hilarious. He's like, yeah, I'm just moving the boxes. I'm just moving the boxes. So then uh, in this workout scene, which is funny just to look at, so it's a kind of a visually funny scene. So I won't spend too much time on it. But then a new character is floated as a sort of misdirection. Yes. Martin Bomb. Yeah. I look Matt. You like, yeah, I think Bomb. it might be Martin Bomb. He has a, is it he Martin has a Bomb. Beef. It might be Martin Bomb. Yeah. Martin Bomb. So Martin, <laughs> yeah. Think of Martin Bomb. That was just like, hey, we just, yeah, it, 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 essentially Martin Baum, it's, we, we could call it Martin Baum padding, right? And again, we, we know that the Emma Furla Oasis, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're the kings of padding because it's not like they do a great job of padding. It's just that they find ways to throw padding into everything. And so here we have Martin Baum padding or like, you know, random character padding, right? It's just like, 
we we know where this movie's going, but we need to get. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what a two-hour version there. of this would have looked like. I, were there more Martin bombs that they just sort of threw in, and you know, just like I don't well, know. that actually is a great point that leads to something that I have in my notes, which is, yeah, go ahead. you know, because there's a lot of recap and you know the crosstalk where they talk about plot points we already know. If this is what they left in. Right. What did they leave out? Because <laughs> why leave why leave this material in? Like if you're looking to cut down the movie's running time, like why would you leave in stuff that repeats information we already know? Yeah. Um, so that's after the exercise scene. Then we get a scene where we think Carla Gugino might be getting too close to yes. what's going on because she's looking through old files. She's kind of investigating in on her own. In a jail cell, by the way. Right, they're in right. a jail for no reason. And she's also, there's other scenes where she's kind of like looking into it on her own because maybe she doesn't trust Turk and or Rooster. And obviously this upsets Turk. So then there's an argument. Then 45 minutes in, we get a classic line from Leguizamo. Ty, what, what's that? <laughs> oh, I hate that Turk, man. <laughs> so the way he says it is something we quote sometimes. I hate that I Turk. Say, well, we've been quoting it in this past podcast. That's why we've been doing this full podcast now. But because, oh, I hate that Turk, man. Because <laughs> he's looking for Martin Baum yeah. and his other bad line. Right. Go ahead, Brett. And then, right, well, I'll, I'll have you say that too. Okay. But yeah, the whole Martin Baum thing, which which they even say is a waste of time, kind of like, well, <laughs> they say like Turk and Rooster are sending us on a wild goose chase. It's like, yeah, we know it's not Martin Baum, okay? That's yeah. not something this movie's ever going to do. And we do get to see Martin Baum, who's sort of a balding middle-aged haunchy man he's not going around killing rambo skateboarding pimp yeah, but no. see at the time before they talked to martin bomb you got the donnie Wahlberg's line of uh, <laughs> okay martin bomb <laughs> <laughs> is it killing time or are you just killing time right like, which is like, too stupid even for the trailer because yeah. i did that's like something i don't think a person would probably say in real life where he's like is it killing time or is he just killing time? I can't believe that. I just that line, Matt. What it's it's eye rolling. Matt, yeah. did you roll your eyes? I, you know, yeah. I so Martin Baum is another. <laughs> Martin Baum is another of the like. If you were wondering if if this was a police procedural or not, it's like I mean, how many Martin Bombs do we see? You know that that character actor, right, or a similar character actor yeah, in episodes of Law and Order, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure if we looked at at, at that the actor's um, CV, we'd probably see. Sort of like you know all of them, right? Everything that he's done, and so it's it, it was like again, it was like we it, it it essentially was like watching an episode of Law and Order or Criminal Minds or something like that, right? Where they they think they've got the lead and they think they know who the, the killer is, but we're looking at the clock and saying like ah, it's only twenty minutes after. This obviously right, isn't right. them, right? And so they go to make the bust. Turns out it's not him, you know, or or maybe they make the bust, right? And then like you know, Anthony Lapaglia or whoever is like there, you know, like in the office, and somebody comes and says, "Hey, got, got an airtight alibi. He was in Brazil helping a client the whole time." And he slams something down on the desk. Like, who is it? You know, it it all is very. I mean, again, that isn't exactly what happens here, but it 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 feels police procedural, and so it's well, another one of those exactly. things where you're like, I love without a trace, right? Is that, yeah. what, you, is that what you're referencing? Wait, without a trace? Yeah, one of any of the, it has to be an ion. Well, yeah. well Pagalier was in, right? Without trades for like 400 episodes. Exactly, right. I think there was one where he um he was being interrogated by IA and he like smashed his like a, a chair through a window and it was like oh, I was watching yeah. football. Well, a, yeah, that's what I remember that one. That was a classic episode of Without a Trace. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they're asking about his divorce. He's like, no, I can't take it. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, it's like there was like a commercial for it um, during the NFL. Like they would, just, you know, they would show commercials of those CBS procedurals, and you're just like, it's like they they like quick quick flashes, and suddenly like 
Lapaglia is throwing a chair through a window? Like, what is this? You know, and I was like, you have to wait you know, the whole episode for that, too. Because it's if like, you think about it, a lot of these procedurals, like there's usually an episode or two where someone throws a chair through a window. Like, yeah. you know, it might be a suspect, you know, they're in the interrogation. Yeah, room. I think there's uh, usually a, cha- a, a breaking window with a chair moment. Yeah. Do yeah. the confession room. Like, I think, uh, was that? Oh, used on it. They've all done it. They've Criminal all done yes. with that episode with um, great. What's the uh, character actor? Um, what was the episode called? Done? Jones. Remember this one, Brett? Uh, um, the episode name? No, but I'll let you think about that while I move on okay. to the next bit. Sure, so okay. then we have another victim of poetry boy. We move on to the next victim of poetry boy. Oh, who is that, Brett? It's a priest. Oh, that, no. uh, which is referenced that uh, Turk was, you know, when Turk was an altar boy, he says he was not molested, but the priest is killed anyway. Um, mm. So then once again, they show up to the scene of the crime. Um, then we get what is a germ of the interesting idea of this movie, which could have been done better, I think, which is when uh, Dr. Prosky, which I think is Barry Primus, the actor, right? And also uh, Griffin Dunn, it was the episode where he threw the, where's the chat to the... I said Griffin Dunn. Did you hear me oh, say yeah, it? Yeah, and you were saying it really fast. Oh, oh I said yeah. Griffin Dunn. Uh, great episode. But go ahead. Um, Dr. Prosky. Where he says, it's a cop serial killer. Now, it, now that's <laughs> that's an idea. You know I mean? Like, that, yeah, that's... Break it down. Well, no, I'm not... I, I, but, like, we have, you know, maniac cop, psycho cop, like, those movies. So that has kind of been done. But the idea that there's a police serial killer that's that's a like a good starting point for a movie so that's maybe where they started with this movie before it went off the rails um and then there's a scene where denny confronts turk um because he thinks turk might be involved um now i don't know if you guys have anything to say about the whole cop serial killer angle before we move well matt go ahead yeah i mean i think i mean to be honest like if we're talking about like modern you know streaming right you know, cop serial killer would be a perfect made for Tubi movie, right? That like if you're scrolling through <laughs> yeah. and you see cop serial killer, that might be something that would get people to, to to rent it. So I agree with you that that's a title that hasn't been used yet that could be used. Um, they can get right. maybe Randall Patinkoff. I mean, like I know he'll do a Tubi or Dale Makepeace. Or Dale Makepeace, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did we did that fight maybe in the first ten episodes of the podcast, like Dale Makepeace versus Randall Patinkoff. Yeah. It's like. Who is then, who? I can't tell. <laughs> then we have a scene in the diner where we realize Turk is unlikable, so why are we rooting for him? And then that's, that's when a I great started point. Call- <laughs> then yeah. that's when I started calling him jerk <laughs> instead of Turk. <laughs> um, because it's like, okay, why do we care about these people? I mean, except for Rooster. Rooster's supposed to be the nice guy, which is why the so-called twist at the end is possibly the most unsurprising twist you could imagine. Because uh, in any slasher, the nice guy is usually the killer. Um but then in this scene where they're in a diner, they're talking about Rambo. So so Rambo is still in their you know thoughts. He's still and, in the uh, mix. He's still in the mix. He's still in the mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rambo got killed a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. See, there's no there's no time. To yeah, we don't know the time this is all taking place in. Like, is yeah. poetry boy killing people, someone every day, every couple weeks, every month? We don't know. It's never uh, said. It's never. Uh, it's, it's done very terribly about that. Um, then there's the scene you referenced, Ty, where they're in the jail, and then we're with Rooster and. Gino, where they're kind of discussing what's going on. And that's when we realized this might have been a better plot if she was more in the mix. Like, mm-hmm. what if the plot was, instead of one of the two of them being, or someone else being Poetry Boy, what if it was like a thing where she was like working together with him? So let's just say it was De Niro and Gugino, and they're in a relationship. So she's killing people some of the time, and he's killing people some other time. So they always have an alibi. 
you know, and they're working together. You know, where were you? Well, I was home, which where he really was because she was out doing the killing. I think that would have been something, you know. Um, I don't know if you guys have thoughts. thoughts? Yeah, well, because this was such an obvious twist, right? Like we knew where this thing was going probably from the very beginning, right? The moment that that, that Rob Deerdike gets shot between the eyes, we know where this thing is headed. And I agree with you that the Carla Guccino twist would have been a more of an actual twist, right? I mean, I yes, I, yeah. I mean, you you talk about like like you know like screenwriting, right, or storytelling, and and this has so many like different like tropes and 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 thing. I mean, I mean the, the Ted Williams comment about how like you know with the whole, the whole thing with their pension, oh where that, it's like, yeah, you know, like, okay, like oh well, Ted, Will- yeah, <laughs> it's like that's just like a classic like you know somebody like you know taking a chance and and not you know not not settling or something like that. It's just like something that like you know if you were in college like freshman year of screenwriting, that's like a probably like a device that you would use as a descriptor, and it's being used here, you know, in this movie. So it tells you where we're going with this and i think i don't know if maybe they just thought like because it had pacino and de niro it would be enough to the, the, the like that, i think this, so yeah yeah i think that is what I thought. they thought they could just coast it I this think. script's yeah. like a rough draft i need 15 yeah. more rewrites yeah, yeah right. it, it, could, it could have yeah and, and you're right matt there are a lot of baseball references in the movie i think almost as like a fallback but also like as we were saying maybe you know baseball tends to appeal to an older demographic, so maybe they remember they remember like the Brooklyn Dodgers or what happened, yeah. much like Chuck about, Connors. Yeah, how about the Mets? Right? How about the Mets? I was say Chuck Connors. He's the yeah. best Brooklyn Dodger ever had. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, uh, so there, so there is that. Fun ninjas with his Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> so then there's a scene Curricans. in a bar where Rooster confesses the frame because before they were they were covering it up. Now in front of uh, Donnie and uh, Leguizamo, he confesses, and there's a gigantic like. Possibly a glass sign for O'Doul's non-alcoholic beer. Do you remember or Amber. Yeah, you get two choices. You get original, yeah, original or Amber. Which was out acting Pacino. Yeah, because your eye is kind of drawn to it. It's like, yeah. it's taking up like, I would say 60% or more of the frame of the film. Why? I don't know. Well, it's, Matt, do you like O'Doul's or what's... Well, <laughs> I will say, so I will say in terms of non-alcoholic beer references... That one might have been the best one in a movie after um, uh, Miller. Is it was it Miller Sharps? Was that the one that was in Ski School? They had like boxes of Miller <laughs> Sharps in the background. Um, I mean, I would have liked a good course Cutter. That would have been a good one for me. I would have been <laughs> okay with that one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but well, O'Doul's. Yeah, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say, but O'Doul's works. It's 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 kind of fun to see that kind of thing in a movie. And you, and, and, and to, to Ty's point, the sign was out acting Pacino in that scene. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so then they have this big frame that they uh, that he admits to. At this point, the audience is kind of like lukewarm. I mean, who really cares? Like, I don't care I mean, about Chuck. And he actually calls him Chuck Randall. So again, <laughs> then, I, then, I, then I framed Chuck Randall. Yeah, I framed Chuck uh, Randall. Um, okay, Perez, uh, I admit it. <laughs> then we're kind of like almost in the starting to wrap up the plot where now t- we see uh, Turk is on a subway and he's having this kind of reverie where they put in a bunch of the footage that maybe they were going to use. So it's like, there's a lot of whipping camera and weird colors, but there's like a bit of footage that we have seen or maybe haven't seen kind of in his sort of like, he's like daydreaming. See, that's also um, an interesting idea that, that was completely dropped. It's like what was? This idea that you're saying. So maybe, well, they screwed up with this movie, these weird twists, but maybe that's another idea where, you know, cause De Niro's always so mad, quick to violence. 
you know, with his right. mutts and stuff like that. And like, I'll bash you in the head of a baseball bat, you mutt. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, he's like, I'll shoot and your brains will fall out, you mutt. It's like, yeah. Um, and this is also where we're introduced to his but, uh, jogging suit, which he wears throughout well, the rest of the Oh, no. Well, before we get to the jogging suit, we're going to the jogging suit. Well, I mean, this idea that maybe in a different movie, a better movie, or mm. even better movie, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he has his own issues. Like, they, you could show more of Turk's, like, Issues. Maybe Turk's he was. Life. Uh, yeah. Turk's life. Maybe he was molested by this priest, or maybe not. And then we could put that in there. Maybe that's what was cut out. Like, oh yeah, I molested. It's like, yeah, we don't know much like, about Turk. He has this one conversation with Trilby about how his daughter lives in California, and that's pretty much all we know about him. See, that that's um, something must say I cut out in the character development. So it's like, uh, um, so then, um, well, let's not forget I, before yeah. before the uh, yeah. jogging suit. Yes, you know Turk. Don't forget that Turk like gets really, really, really mad at Perez. It's like, yes, what, I wrote he gets what's going on here? Oh wait, yeah, is that? Yeah. Is that <laughs> oh, he didn't go to college. He went to one year of SUNY. It's right, like, yeah. it's SUNY. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah, so he, mad that, that he only that one really year hacked of SUNY. him off for some reason. I, I don't know why. Like so we call him college boy. He's not really a college boy. It's almost like the nickname they've given him like no longer applies. So he's mad at the, the nickname that they. <laughs> That was great. I cracked up at that. Well, Mal, I don't know if you think. What do you think about that? It's like, I, I mean, to be honest, I think College Boy is even more apt when they find out that he just dropped out after after one year at SUNY, <laughs> right? Like it's kind of even because it's more ironic and more fun, right? It's like like calling somebody T Bone who's a vegetarian or something like that. <laughs> or right? Tiny, like, who might be a tiny. Right. Man. I like that T Bone, the vegetarian. That's great. Yeah, so I I think it would have been better that way. I also think. The whole thing with him on the subway, where De Niro on the subway, where it's almost like they're trying to evoke Taxi Driver, you know, where like he's oh, driving, he's like, you know, the rain like washing away all the, you know, all the scum and all, and he's kind of like doing the, the voiceover thing. And I think that's the problem with this movie is that when it does that kind of thing, you're like, oh, maybe I should watch Taxi Driver. That was a good movie. You know? <laughs> well, I think they and I think they just wanted a scene on the subway just to just kind of show and prove yep. that they're in, actually in New York. Right. Like, hey, we're, we're in New York. He's on the subway. See, he's on the subway. This is New no, York. No, no, he's, not on, he's not on Bridgeport. Well, he's not in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Nope. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? They want New York to be a character. And, and obviously for a movie <laughs> with De Niro and Pacino, it should take place in New York. But it's like almost like New York is a character the way that like Bruce Willis is in an Emmett Furlow Oasis film, right? Where like, he, New York comes and goes, right? Because right, some yeah, of them were Bridgeport or Shreveport. Usually he's just in a Baltimore abandoned warehouse. Uh, right, right. Bruce Willis but, and, but, it, but here, except for the subway scene, it's usually they're in a warehouse or they're in it. They, you see a quick exterior shot of like Salerno's restaurant and that's it. Right. Like you don't really get – it, you know, this doesn't really feel very New York most of right. the time. Yeah, it's supposed but, to, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, maybe that that character was cut out of New York. It's yeah, like, they, were, they were cutting people <laughs> out. They cut New York out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then, or, or like New York was like Bruce Willis, right? New York was like, I'm only going to be here to do so many scenes. I'm, I'm not going to do everything. I'm not going to do my ADR. I'm not going to do my, my my reverse shots. You know, <laughs> oh, it's like well, yeah. So that's kind of like putting in Bridgeport. It's like in Bridgeport, right. yeah, close enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so then there was, I guess, I wrote down he's mumbling. There's a scene where he's just like mumbling and you can't really tell what he's oh, saying. Oh, that's right. That's about Perez? Yeah, yeah, about Perez. Yeah. yeah this is when he's fired so about mad. Perez. And then he has a knife and he like slams the knife into his desk <laughs> and it's like very kind of funny. I'm going to kill that Perez. Because ah! like, maybe Perez is getting too close. But then when we know the twist, which, you know, we said spoiler alert, we, you know, ready, we can't talk this. about this movie without talking about it in full. So we are going to spoil it. So here we go. If oh, if you, Rooster, I'm, well, I have to say wait, this. If, okay, if, go ahead. If Rooster is the one who's poetry boy, why the hell was he getting so upset? You know, because you think he'd be getting so upset because they're okay. getting too close to him. 
if, and if De Niro doesn't know Rooster's Poetry Boy, why was he getting all fired up like that? It's an amazing question. <laughs> it's just, it, that's why the plot just falls under itself. It's like, wh- what? 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 And then and, and when we'll, we'll get talk more about the twist later, which yeah. absolutely makes no sense. Um, but so then here, 63 minutes into the movie, we're introduced to Oleg Taktarov. Yeah. Nice. So we're all Taktarov fans here, I think. He, yeah. he gets a little more screen time than Rambo and Van Lightens, but not much more. Right. He does move kind a of lot. Yeah, Muglot or whatever. Muglot. It's like, hey, M-U-Glot. Right, yeah. It's one of the best lines from Danny, from Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, that is one of the best lines of the movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He says, M-U-G-Glot. That's very Danny Reagan. Oh, my goodness, it's Danny Reagan in a nutshell and Blue Blood. Anyway, yeah. He's a, Evgeny Muglot, which kind of proves to be the downfall of Rooster. Because, you know, you see a scene where he gets shot because uncreatively, and as Ty, you pointed out, in another hands, this could have been a slasher because yeah. it's about people getting picked off one by one. But uncreatively, everyone just gets shot. Like there's no yeah. mix up of the methods of death. No, yeah, he's some shot. And, and of course, there's here's a clue from Rooster: two between the eyes. And it's like, <laughs> it's like I wonder how they're getting killed. Two between the eyes. It's like, how would you know that if it's not you, Rooster? It's um, you. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out Taktarov, much like 50 Cent in real life, gets shot a bunch of times but survives. Yes. Yeah. So that's something Rooster, you know, Rooster, after all these years, is getting sloppy. He didn't make yeah. sure, which is bound to happen, you know. Um, and it's advanced age. Yeah. Advanced age, and then they and they say he's like a tank, or they give him what they say about him. They they say so he's yeah, like, like this guy's a t- that doctor guy was great by the way. He really he really put some good energy into it. this guy's a tank. Great guy. He like loved yeah. Mugalot. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. Simply, he loved Mugalot. Yeah, because yeah. right. uh, that actor does a lot of comedy stuff, doesn't he? Um, Ajay Naidu. Wow, Ajay Naidu. Nice. So yeah. he did a great job. I think he almost stole the movie. Uh, the doctor. <laughs> so then there's some scenes of Mugalot in, uh, in, Mugalot. in, 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 in his, uh, you know, it's a lazy name. You know, I don't, I expect that from the rise of 88 minutes, you know, <laughs> yeah. saying instead of Guy LaFord and Mugalot. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. So then we see a scene of someone trying to finish the job. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Who could that be sneaking into his room? Hmm. Uh, and he gets interrupted by the cop who's, uh, you know, some dumb dumb. He's like, you know, posted outside the room and then he kind of gets caught in his tracks. But it's shot POV, so we don't know who it is. Almost slasher-esque, you know, he's yeah, going to finish off, yeah, uh, finish off Taktarov. Doesn't quite do it. Then we get some more, you know, I'm David Fisk talking to the camera confession. Oh, yeah. Then we get a scene where a very, very ridiculous red herring where Carlo Guccino finds one of these Poetry Boy poems. But then it's not an actual one and De Niro wrote it and he's trying to put her off the scent. But why would he do that if he didn't know Rooster is the guy and why would he leave it for her? Um, And then this is where we said it could have been a slasher. And then there's another confrontation between De Niro and Gugino. Thoughts? Okay, Matt, go ahead. Boy, yeah. So, so, so we hear, right. De Niro is, is sort of in this grainy video, right? He's reciting Mm -hmm. what we think is a confession Yes. But we know it's actually not his confession, right? It's 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 Roosters. But um, he's like, I've got to do the one thing that was unforgivable, right? That's the right. deal. Right. 
Talking and, about trying to kill Gugino. That was well, also, he definitely close. got assaulted also. Is, right. He wants to assault her. Right. And because and, yeah. he knows if he assaults her, that's like the one thing that De Niro wouldn't forgive him for. Right. That he could do any number of other things. But De Niro would not forgive him for uh, for raping Carla Gugino. And and so. That's like so we get that cut of the over and then then it happens right. But then it, what, what what that means is right is what, what, I think what we think when it happens is that he may have done it with a mask on or something so she doesn't know it's him. No, he just does it, you know, like uh, right. you know, yeah. And, and then he, he's like, well, you know, Tartar is going to wake up soon and 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 ID me kind of thing. Oh, that's the mindset. That's it's right. Like, yeah, yeah. They're going to ID me. Also, I just briefly go back to Stubby's death for a second. <laughs> okay, um, I'm always happy to do that. Albuquerque goes, firearm! It's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, way gun. back in that scene. Yeah, right. you're like, gun, because that's one quick syllable. It's a lot faster and easier to say. He says, firearm. Yeah, yeah, I just thought that was ridiculous. That's, okay, yeah. now back to the game. Well, well, I wonder going to tie back into something. In I will, actually. Yeah, I will. Well, that's point I do wonder if you say firearm because there's no way to mistake it for something else, right? Like, like let's say, you know, there's a guy with a man bun, right? You say bun, <laughs> bun, right? Or Somebody maybe just shoots chewing him. Some, or maybe she's chewing bun, some juicy fruit. Man bun guy gets <laughs> killed by a hail bullet. <laughs> right. Or he's just chewing some juicy fruit gum. Yes. Yeah, so so the firearm, you know, you can't mistake firearm for anything else. That's why it's a police procedural thing that we don't know about, but that like they're getting right by having it in there. Okay, good point. point. Right, so now we've got Mulan in the hospital and all the goings on involving that and the whole thing with uh, the assault of Carlo Gugino. Then Fiddy, kind of out of the blue, calls De Niro on the phone um, and to tell him to come down to the 404 club. But, but then we get a, a, an actually like a good, a far better rapper named Papoose who's on stage. And I think, now tell me you guys, if you guys would agree. Out of this movie's many flaws, would you agree that one of them is not, that that it doesn't have more Papoose? It needs more Papoose. This should have yeah. been a Papoose and Al Pacino movie. <laughs> get rid of De Niro having me have no, get rid of get rid of Get rid of Turk. Does he have Papoose? And then the song he's singing or rapping is called Stylin, in case anyone right. wants to know. Yeah. It was for uh, like, what, four seconds? It's yeah, like, he gets a little more than some, but he is there. It's more than Van Lightens, I guess. Yes, like, he does. And, and, and Rambo, <laughs> and, skateboarding fan, uh, Body Brady. Um, uh, so then, so now we have a complete redo of the scene before with Trilby, where now they're yes, using it's the 50 same as me. They set up the same command center in the same place and, and to do the same thing. <laughs> They just yeah. switch the characters. That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is rough draft stupid material. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Matt, f- thoughts about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 so, so I would say if I was a gangsta out there, <laughs> right, and I was using a club to launder my money, I would start buying up all the property around the, the club because there's a good chance that the police are using it to set up their own command center adjacent to it. Um, or actually, was MC it even Matt? adjacent? Are you sure, Matt? that's a smart idea. Yeah, yeah. no command center, no problem. You could be Caboose or MC Matt. Yeah, Caboose. Yeah, Caboose. Caboose. Yeah, yeah, what, is, what is Papoose? Is that like something like a, a thing that carries a baby that like indigenous people? That's what like, I thought it was. Right. Been, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know Papoose is. He does it very. Uh, you could probably find this online. I'm pretty Papoose. Uh, pretty sure Papoose is the rapper who does this whole rap in alphabetical order, where he like oh. raps in alphabetical. And I think he does it like... reverse alphabetical order. It's pretty impressive. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, we needed more Papoose. You're right. We we needed. Uh, <laughs> <to> need... <laughs> yeah. really uh, the, the, the crux of this whole conversation is to see more Papoose. And I was waiting to get to this point where, where we needed to shine a spotlight on Papoose. We gotta shine that light on Papoose forever. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, 
So then, yeah, Carlo assaulted compressed time. I'm just reading my notes here. Uh, now the others are at the club, and then he called, and then because Perez or you know uh, like Wazamo and Donnie are there, and then <laughs> uh, Pacino is also there. He was like, they're watching like a couple of hawks, a couple of gay hawks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gay hawks. It's like he called them a bunch like... of gay hawks, which <laughs> is very oh, bizarre dialogue. That that's so stupid. It's like what what. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then there's a then there there's a you know a confrontation with De Niro. There's a bunch more crosstalk. Then you know we get a, a very uh, oh you know, there's that bit oh, there's that bit where at the crosstalk. It's like well maybe you helped him. Yeah maybe it's a process. It looks like you helped him. <laughs> uh, yeah. The De Niro De Niro fifty or uh, Spider confrontation goes doesn't go very well. Also we're forgetting the jogging suit. So t- yeah, well, oh, oh, that's true. We didn't. So even in the trailer and all the promotional material and everything, he's wearing just this very drab, nondescript, gray. Yeah, Turk. Turk is. Yeah, Turk. Uh, the combination, which is just so boring and dull and bland, and he wears that for like the second half of the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna wear a jogging suit. I'm gonna wear it. <laughs> At least it, it should <laughs> be something a bit more colorful, just in my personal opinion. We yeah. have like a like a rainbow, like a Technicolor dream coat. Well, no, not like, no, but you know, like one of those more like '90s style like ones with like, I know what you mean, green. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, like an uh, Adidas tracksuit or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah well, it looks like he, yeah. right? It's it time to go like, for my run, you know, and then he runs to the. Oh yeah, um, to watch him run is very like. <laughs> when he's like, running to Spider's Club, like I'm gonna run there or go. <laughs> which is in Harlem, apparently. I don't know where he's running from, but I'm guessing it's quite a ways, and. You wouldn't be doing that. Like, he wouldn't be doing that. I'm sorry. No. No. Uh, and th- th- I mean, the, the sweatsuit itself, it looks like <laughs> like you could see him like going into Walmart and changing yeah. into it, the changing room and then walking out, like ripping the tags <laughs> off in the in the in the dressing room. Like he wouldn't even buy it at Walmart. He would steal it from Walmart. Um, and, and then if he was confronted, he would just hold up his badge and I can do this, you know. Yeah, because you're right. Like he makes a comment about how he played basketball in Harlem when he was growing up, which. Yes. You know, to show how tough he was, right? That he could go up there and play. But you're right. Like, unless he's like, like way in like the northern part of of Manhattan, and and you know, um, Fifty Cent's way down. His club is way like just on the border between where Harlem and, and Manhattan connect. He's running quite a bit. I I, okay. I do wonder. That's a sometimes, really good point. He's running yeah. for like, well, how long? Well, but right. they, they did establish in that workout scene that he is in very good shape. In quotes. Yeah. Well, well, so, yeah, I got. I was worried about his ACL, but I guess well, he's fine. So. And in the midst of like the most like important investigation of his life, where either he or his longtime partner, God knows how many years, are in trouble, he decides to go out for a run. I mean, why would he do that? Yeah. Um, um, now, so now, now, so now he's in the club. Now he's back at the. Now he's the in the club. Um, um, he has this conversation with Fiddy, which is you know, it's not what you call amicable, but they're not like shouting at each other. Um, and then after that kind of wraps up, then Rooster just well, puts all his cards on the table and he shoots 50 in the head and he falls out. Well, that was amazing. I mean, that was one of the best scenes. And well, before all that also, let's not forget, you know, that De Niro beats up 50 cent after Stubby gets killed. And then oh, yeah. it's like, well, I lost some teeth that day. That's what 50 says. So I lost some teeth. And it's like, well, but, but then, but then his response is better. It's like, oh, you guys love gold teeth. You should be thanking me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it's kind of that gritty kind of line that you kind of need here and there. 
Yes, and that did help a lot. I mean, again, in a better movie, it probably would have gone over a bit better, but still, we're happy it's there. Okay, so yeah, so then, uh, wait, so De Niro finds... Then later, we see him lying on the ground, because, you know, there's a big dramatic scene where he breaks through the glass. Later on, there's no glass around him whatsoever. Not to get too nerdy about it. Well, wait, so De Niro finds the poetry. Then, while he's reading it, Al Pacino shoots 50 cents in the head, right? Uh, yeah, and then it kind of yeah. it all kind of comes out, and then right, okay, it's like I was a chess player. I saw Bobby Fischer play uh, fifty oh, games at once, and he was fifty moves ahead. So then it kind of ties into the fact that he has a chess playing mind where he's thinking several moves ahead. I guess so, is the point of that. And then this is where we were talking about it during our audience, Brett, where um, this is the big twist. Like who so is here's who? Here's the big so, twist. Get ready. But, but, yeah. but Matt, right. anything you want to say about Fifty Cent's death, or just want to get Fifty Cent's death was amazing because so we, we get a taste of what Fifty Cent's death could be early on when that when the priest is killed, right? Because he's shot in the confessional and just goes flying through the the lattice, right? That's in the confessional booth. And that was a very and, cool effect. I said to Ty that the way they did that was well done. I think. Yeah. And then with this case, with 50 Cent, it's like he gets shot in the head and then somehow in getting shot in the head, he's propelled through <laughs> yeah. the window. Yeah, and it's almost like, feet. yeah, I mean, it almost looks like a human cannonball kind of thing. The way his body kind of shoots through the window, kind of like the arms to the side and and, and the head straight out. It's it's a facet. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the, the, the best movie deaths, I think, in terms of that. Like it, it's something that the PM would have done unironically in the 90s point. yes so, yeah i mean yeah. you know you, you could see malibu shooting somebody and them falling totally. through the way, or, or down the dragon it was yeah. it was exactly what you would expect only it was 50 cent in a movie with getting killed by al pacino <laughs> in a movie that has robert de niro in it as well and it just it it, it didn't belong i mean I, I shouldn't say it didn't belong it belonged in this movie because this movie is so fascinating <laughs> but it it was something that was much more. It, we would have we would have accepted it in a, in, a, in a PM Entertainment flick. Yeah, you can see yes. like Robert Patrick shooting Titus Welliver in the head. Yes, at the end. exactly. Yes, but yeah. you're right, Matt. The, the ballistics of it aren't exactly what you'd say are true to life. <laughs> I mean, because they're standing next to this window, like they're in front of the window, and then he yeah. shoots him, and then he flies out the window. That probably it was a happen. great Fifty Cent dummy too. It was so funny. Oh yeah, oh, amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah, and Fifty Cent yeah. was good too. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, Fifty Cent shirt is that what he is he still wearing the the waffle cut like like it's about a sweater kind oh, of yeah, thing it's yeah a, the what shirt do you call that like a thermal shirt yeah. yeah he loves that yeah he wore it the whole movie I think it's like a fancier thermal shirt which was you know which you gotta love that that right that the, the you know what does he have like a you know there's like designer thermal shirts maybe yeah. like you go to Bloomingdale's and get you know and and yeah you almost don't want to see it get damaged in 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 you know but it but it, it makes it even more stark right when he dies he gets blood on the the white you know thermal shirt um you know uh but yeah it it was one of those things where it's like it, 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 you almost could be like if you're de niro right if if you were de niro watching this movie and mm-hmm. that happens right so i'm de niro and i'm watching somebody else playing the part of de niro's part and i'd be like oh what 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 just happened there whoa you know and it'd be like yeah, the yeah. whole like de niro like freaking out routine you know like you know, i'm freaking out on you i'm gonna freak out on you <laughs> he's, he's more he's not he's less mad about that than Perez, who didn't yeah, go to Sunni after Perez, one year. But then <laughs> everything else doesn't really seem to bother him all that. Much. Only Perez. Yeah, Perez. Also, yeah. Perez is also shot at by Al Pacino, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, well, we right. He right. He, yeah. we, we find out that yeah, that that was part of the deal. A, was it's such a yeah. jettisoned thing too. Like, oh, yeah. I got shot. It's like, yeah, and then and he's then, like, oh, we're yeah. back. So now, at, heading towards the end of the movie, all the cards are on the table, oh, and then no. then De Niro and Pacino have. 
I'd like it's not really confrontation it's more of a discussion and uh then we learn as viewers that oh my god de niro is not david fisk at all and so pacino is david fisk and de, and de niro is tom is, cowan is tom cowan now my question in all this is please go how, how how did they imagine this would work, would work? Wouldn't their coworkers at the NYPD know who is Tom Cowan and who is David Fisk? Like, how can there be just a sudden on a dime reversal? No, I'm David Fisk. Well, did, wouldn't we know that? Wouldn't everyone you know know that? Like, how can you just pull that at the last second? So I guess the twist, right, is that when De Niro is sitting there with the two guy, the two IA guys, right? Which yes. um, one of them was Ira from Sybil. I don't know if you ever you've watched the, the, the sitcom that Sybil. That's the black guy, right? Or, no, no, the white guy. The, um, oh, the white guy. Okay. Yes, he was. Um, he played. Um, he played Sybil's second ex-husband or oh, first. Yeah, yeah, I never second, watched Sybil. Yeah. So I that was I, so I just remember him as Ira from uh from Sybil. He was always like kind of <laughs> he was he was the ex-husband that would hang out at you know and do comedic scenes with her. Um, well, he had more screen time than uh, Deer Rambo. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. He was like, in oh, no, a daylight between them. You know, that yeah. Was Alan Rosenberg like, is, cool. is, is his actor, his name. But yeah. So, you know, the, the, the idea, right, is supposed to be we're supposed to be watching them as if they're they're commenting on De Niro. And they're like, man, this guy's a psycho. All of this stuff. When apparently the twist is, no, they were sitting there with De Niro looking at the confession from Pacino the whole time. And that was, I guess, the twist. So that's why the name thing, I guess, isn't such a big deal because they all knew at the beginning of the movie what we were seeing at the end of the movie, um, I guess, maybe. Because in, in that you know black and white confessional, numerous times, he says, I'm David Fisk. I'm right. David Fisk. It's more of that repeated dialogue. Yeah. So he's saying in that video, I'm David Fisk. Right. Um, and so honestly... I, I don't know why they bought that so well because, um, well, I, I don't want to <laughs> jump ahead in the plot in the plot too much, but no, you're it, not because we're at the end. You can yeah, pretty much whatever. Well, because well, when, when, when De Niro, you know, De Niro dies, um, you know, and and he he, Pacino he kind of dies. Pacino, Pacino, sorry, but Pacino dies. He wants uh, De Niro is calling an ambulance for him, and and and, and he, Pacino says no, don't call the ambulance. So he ends up dying. It, very easily, like if I'm the cops or if I'm the IA people and all those people, and then I guess the the one issue is that Carla Gugino, I guess, can identify Pacino as the baddie because he, you know, he assaulted her. But beyond that, I almost feel like this would be the perfect cover up of his crime, right? For, for De Niro to kill Pacino and say that Pacino made made him do this confession and it was Pacino the whole time, right? But well, nobody yeah. really questions that. Well, even in a better, like, even better movie, that would happen. A more powerful scene. Yeah. But because the part before that, even before he dies, there's that stupid line from Pacino, and uh, Turk says, "Oh, where are you going? Uh, to, I don't know. To hell." Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. And then there was a brief, you know, yes. Mexican standoff type oh, thing where they're all oh, holding guns at each real. other, including Carlo. Well, yeah. Then we get a movie highlight yeah. when right. they're once again in like an abandoned. Space. I know it's not really where, or is it? A, it's like a parking, yeah, some sort of parking garage or something. And then De Niro has his gun out, and then in a, in a very jaunty and happy way, uh, De Niro, or uh, sorry, Pacino jumps over this railing to uh, to escape yes. his gun. To De Niro's gun and goes bye bye, yeah. bye bye. And it, 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 it sounds it, like it, a very happy. It sounds like you know John McLaughlin. Well, they would be watching the McLaughlin group. Right, that, right. That's, that's, the age. that's probably where he got that. Yeah, that's the age. Wait, and in that seems like. What, uh, I'm going to be on Oprah. I'm going to be on Geraldo. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be on Geraldo. Yeah, yeah. Geek of the Week. Yeah, I'm going to be Geek of the Week. U
So, so it's not out of the question that they would watch the McLaughlin. Group. Well, they know these so old references, so Geraldo would make it <laughs> and McLaughlin group and Oprah. Oprah. Like, and yeah. and that like, oh, how we think it more recently, yeah. Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that jump he does is very, very obviously not Pacino. Oh, it's beautiful. The over the railing. Yeah, yeah. yeah the over the railing it. jump. And he, where he says bye bye, which we rewound twice because it's yeah, so funny. it was so funny. <laughs> Well, John McLaughlin, bye ball. Yeah, so that's what he says. And then that's where we learned that maybe Fisk isn't Fisk, and Talon's not Talon, and Rooster's not Turk, and Turk is Rooster. And and then, uh, and as you pointed out, it's a reversal of the end of Heat, right? Because they can't repeat what happened in Heat. Right. Um, They have to switch it, or the fans won't be happy. So if you know, so Al Pacino gets shot by De Niro, and then. That's it. So then he talk, well, Al Pacino talks about Oprah and Geraldo first, but then he gets shot. Well, the it, other thing too is the Pacino lying in the ground on the ground dying, like the look of the, like the face yes, from that angle. Face. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't figure out what it was. I mean, Eric Palladino came to mind. That was one that I was thinking. Um, the lead singer of Faith No More. I thought maybe oh, Mike there was a little, yeah, a little of that in there mixed I'm in. Like Mike Patton. That's amazing. Just oh, the, the look up, like yeah. The hair and like the angle and the way his eyes were from that angle and everything. There was there were a lot of different things going on that weren't Pacino. Yeah, that's a great point. Maybe he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was Pacino, but just like that, I I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie at that angle before. Um, it was like it was weird. Uh, yeah, his eyes and everything just looked like yeah, it was yeah. I, yeah, I could have seen the, the the faith no more like the yeah um, maybe like uh. No, um, yeah, I can't think of the name of the song, but you know, you want it all, and you know, it, you know, um, <laughs> is it the real thing or something like that? Or yeah, but you could kind of see him like breaking out in a couple couple bars of that before he dies. <laughs> it's like a you know, because his character was so goofy anyway. Um, so that's right. Well, well I mean, no, there's more at the end. He there goes is? back to the baseball. Oh yeah, uh, then remember, he goes back to his old coaching and uh, yeah, and then Turk has like he has oh yeah that thing at the end, Brett. Well, he goes back to his old baseball, and he has, like, some voiceover saying, well, my daughter talked to Rooster. It's like, do you mean David? Let's just say David. Yeah. Why is he, <laughs> Why is the daughter calling his partner Rooster? Why is <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of coda to it all, uh, kind of indicating well, that um, that either it's Fisk or Rooster or whoever he is, is going to go on to have, like, a somewhat normal life, and he can reconnect with his daughter who we only got the most passing of references to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even uh, just like you won't even, if you looked at your phone for a second, you wouldn't even notice. Just like. And there's even also a hint that he might have some sort of relationship with Trilby because she shows up in the stands of the softball. So well, something like, that you know, the, C- Carla and uh, Turk are no more. You know, they probably broke up. And, and like, he needs to find someone very, young, very, even very younger, much younger than than, than her. Um, so, but that's only kind of slightly into that. So that was it. So what did everyone think about the movie overall? Well, I mean, I actually have some facts and figures if you guys care and, and some critic responses if you want. That. I have a critic response. I'll do mine at the end. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you pulled the, the, the awards this film won. Um, oh, according to awards. IMDb. All right. Um, it, I, I do have there's some Razzie material. Here. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think that'll be yeah, that's definitely uh, Al Pacino well, was probably one of the better well, maybe, wow. depending on who you ask, parts of this. He earned a Razzie Award nomination for Worst Actor um, and for 88 Minutes, also directed by John Affnett, but lost, in quotes, the award to Mike Myers for The Love Guru. Well, so you, <laughs> you lost to The Love Guru. That's that's, that's not good. good. He should have won. Should have won. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, so it says the right to skill grossed 40.1 million in the United States and Canada, 39.4 million in other territories for a worldwide total of 79.4 million. I don't know what the initial budget was, so I don't know if that's a hit or not. Well, since uh, it was 60 million on IMDb. Uh, yeah. And so what do they say? Films, oh, sorry. 30 million each for De Niro, Pacino, nothing, nothing else left for anybody else. <laughs> right. If a movie's budget is 60 million, I think they say for it to turn a profit, it's got to make three times oh, its, it's, its budget. So, uh, yeah. There's still time. <laughs> there's still time. There is. We're still talking about it. Maybe a bunch of people. Yeah. Maybe we'll bump it up the charts. Yeah. Uh, it says by comparison, he would start Panero. I don't Panero. Panera. Uh, in 1995, grossed over, grossed over 180 million worldwide. So, you know, by comparison, it didn't do so well. It might yeah. not be as well. First off, I'd say Righteous Kill is better than He to the Irishman, Godfather uh, Part Two. It's like, because <laughs> um, we were saying this, I did tell, I think we said this while we were watching, but that we're lucky to even have this movie. Because oh, yeah, that, so, I did write that in my notes. So it, okay. It, we had a lot of fun here today. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Let's be serious. We, we are very lucky to have this movie because it provides entertainment, laughs, and a lot of good times. So what more can you hope for? And you yeah. want to see more? I have a critic review from oh, – okay, I have a have. blurb. Well, any more – well, Matt, you have no, you go first. Reviews? Or you guys yeah, go, go first because I have a lot. So if you guys yeah, – I technically have my, my own review of it because I did do a, um, a – uh, 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 wild, wild card post. post. I was doing wild card posts at the time where I would do these, but but I think like to your point, uh, both of your points about how we're lucky to have this. I mean, by all accounts, this movie shouldn't exist, right? This movie should have never been made with with these two actors and, and right. all of this. And the 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 forces the 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 the, the forces of the universe that brought this together and made this happen. It is for for the the the, the art of cinema, right? For the history of cinema. This is one of the more fascinating things that we get out of this. I mean, this is like you could put this with like Godfrey Ho movies, you know, and and all other kinds of like random things that just are, are you know, movie, what was the one you guys were talking about, the big gag? Um, you oh, know, time, time for the big big gag. The big, yeah, yeah, right. But, but Matt, I take your point. It's a good point because this has weird editing too, just like a Godfrey Ho movie. Yeah, it's just it's just it shouldn't exist, right? This movie should not exist at, at, in any way, shape, or form that it does, but it does exist. And the fact that it does exist is like like you said, we're lucky that we get this movie. That you you know, you think of somebody like a Borgnine or somebody, you know, a big name like mm -hmm. that who does like a bunch of direct to video movies. This is like something with, with these two names in it. I mean I this, know. Yeah. It we're we're it's you're, actually you're, amazing. I mean that's like, true. Yeah, I think that it's not just that it's a quote unquote bad and I in quotes movie. It's a bad movie with De Niro and Pacino. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I want to I want to echo that sentiment that we're lucky to have this movie. Yes. We, as, that as, we as should as feel as lucky. Really? Uh, yeah. That's why I always think about when I watch it. Now I've seen it four times. <laughs> so we're lucky to see it. So, so you're entertained four times. That's great. Yes, yeah, it got better. I think this one was the best watch yet because you're right. Notes. It's funny with this uh, Moogalot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Um, uh, let's see. I, I have. I'll do a couple of critic things. You guys could chime I in with one. yours. Yeah. Oh, what's yours? Do your one. Oh, okay. So it's just the back of the box of DVD. So it's. Oh. Nice. Oh. oh okay. <laughs> so the two best actors alive at the top of their games with a twist at the end and they'll blow you away. Four oh, yeah. stars. Larry <laughs> King live. Oh my God, Larry King live. He loved it. He loved Larry King. Loved this movie. <laughs> well, again, age group. You know, yeah. I mean, not only that, but see, I only believe what Larry King has to say for movies. Yeah. Like, 
you know, I, also like also like Jonathan from you know Quaboygate, Iowa says also when he's on the line. It's just like well, no, <laughs> but I can imagine Larry King go being like, in the, is that a funny vision of like Larry King in the movie theater like like being visibly like shaken by the two yeah, with a suspender. He keeps he keeps pulling he keeps pulling them over and over because he's excited. He's like shaking like, his head. Like, <laughs> like, it's not is, Tom Coward. Oh my god. Oh, I can't believe it's not. That. It actually was Jeff Risk and saying David Fisk. <laughs> And Larry in Boston, uh, you're on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Jeff in Boston, you're on the air. Oh, I loved it, Larry. Great movie. It's like, <laughs> Even though there's no one there, too, it's just something he says. It's like a reflex. Like he's not oh, on so you think, TV. He thinks he's talking he to anyone else. Named, so when he said Larry from Boston, do you think he only talks to people named Larry when he's on uh, the line? Well, I, think, no, I don't think he only talks to people named Larry, but I do think that's his preference. Like if he has Larry oh. and a bunch of other names, he'll do the Larry, but it's not like something he exclusively does. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But, and he's uh, like doing an ad yeah. read for Garlic in between here. <laughs> Just like George Kennedy. I can't I believe it. it's not Tom Cowan, it's not Rooster. What what the Okay. Well, I can't, he, like he goes crazy. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is, dark. this is more deep than memento. I can't yeah. believe it. Oh my <laughs> this goodness. is, this really is. Um, so um Matt, you have some critic oh, reviews? Sorry. Or Brad, who, who wants to go next? We could trade back and forth. I was just I'm done. Keep, I only had one. <laughs> Chief Phipps of the Onions AV Club said, the novelty of watching De Niro and Pacino team up wears off pretty quickly, with them trudging through a thriller that would have felt warmed over in 1988. Well, I I'm going to disagree with that, because okay. you, yeah, 1988, you hey, Phipps, you're wrong. You had, you had heat. <laughs> that was a, that was a, absolutely not the top of their game. 1988. Right. Well, I think yeah. it's you know, like to... 2000. Well, feel yeah, feel free to disagree. I'm just reading what they I'm say. I'm disagreeing with Phipps. Okay. Okay, well, just Phipps away. Um, well, I think too the idea that this that this was tired material, this wouldn't have been tired material in '88. Also, is a little bit insulting to 1988. Yeah, there was such a thing as good script writing in 1988 as well. Oh, it's absolutely. not like that. You know that there have been so many movies that that bite on this concept since 1988. That back in '88, this would have been fresh and, and, and engaging material. You know, it's that's uh, no. I mean, this is. You know, this, this disingenuous. Would... Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, I agree. I know, I agree. We're always saying how great. I know, I know. We all is. love Phipps or Mr. Well, Pibb. I don't know what, he's, what yeah. it is. Uh, direct, and this is still from Phipps. Director John Avnet doesn't offer much compensation for the absence of suspense. I kind of disagree with that because he feels okay. like a lot of incident. You got to give him that. I mean, yeah. It keeps him. Uh, I will say the movie moves. You know, I yeah. blinked. There was, a, I think it's actually even shorter than an hour and 40 with creds, credits. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah. So. What do we expect Avnet to be doing with this movie? Like, what was he supposed to have done that would have would have made this thing differently? Like, well, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we grew up in this time. You know, of course, we grew up in a time. You know, think about these actors, right? We grew up in a time with with directors, right? Like, you know, Scorsese, Spielberg, you know, um, Coppola, who had like much more creative control over their films. Um, I mean, what was Avnet going to do with this material and with these actors, right? That would have made this into like something like like some kind of classic or something. You know, it's a great question because maybe Avnet did his absolute best, and this is all in the writing of the movie. Like, when we have the criticized writing, the writing, I guess the editing, you know. Like, edit. So maybe it's not Avnet's fault, but you know, I think if I was him, I would have, I would have, I would have done a couple little things. I would have just cut down on what the were repetitive. Those? What, what? I, I would have cut down on the repetitive and this pop yeah. culture laden dialogue. I would just, yeah. I would have jettisoned those. I would have stopped pretending that they're young. I would have made it obvious that they're playing their age. And I would have made it like a little darker and grittier in terms of the 
cinematography and kind of the overall tone. If he did that, then it, I, I think we I, actually wouldn't be like making fun of this. Today. We wouldn't be making fun of the movie. Right. I, I like, mean, there's people say, "Oh, Righteous off. Kill, great movie." Yeah, like, it'd be like a top ten best movie, not a top ten hilarious movie. Right. So those are just a couple little things off the top of my head that could have tightened things up. But no, but Matt, it's a good question because like, what do we expect? I mean, instead of tearing down, maybe we could give some suggestions of what it could be. That's what I would say. I don't know if you guys have. No, that's a perfect way. That's exactly what I was thinking. But Matt, go ahead. I mean, I wonder if he would have been even allowed to do those kinds of things. You know, like I wonder if, like, for example, making them older in the script. Um, I mean, even making them older in the script, I don't even know how that would work, right? Because it, it, these guys are in their, their late 60s when they're making this movie. And can you even be a police officer in your late 60s? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, like, plot, the plot wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Right, like, Which is one of the funny things about the whole experience. The whole yeah. experience is a great movie. So, Yeah, I uh, mean um, – this is, I think this was a good discussion of uh, Righteous uh, Kill. I, I do, sorry, I have a couple more critic things. Oh, you do? You do? Okay, go ahead, please. Uh, James Ber- Berardinelli of Real Did I say his name? I thought it was Bernardelli. What I think. I've never even read Oh, I never really said it out loud like that. Uh, it's one of those names uh, you read. He gave the movie two stars out of four, saying, and I quote, this isn't just generic material. It's generic material... Hold on. Uh, are you going to say geriatric material? That's funny. It is geriatric material with a dumb ending, which, you know, we can criticize that in a minute. Isn't and the director is a journeyman, not a craftsman. Its failure to live up to even the modest expectations is a blow. There's nothing righteous to be found here. To me, that's very snippy and sniffy. Yeah. And I mean, just calling the ending, quote unquote, dumb is like, yeah. That's that's bad criticism. You're not saying why. You're not saying anything. You're just calling it dumb. You know. Yeah. I mean, we called it dumb, but we gave our reasons why. Yeah. I would have I would have appreciated more if he had said, "Forget righteous kill. It's wrongous." You know, or something like that. Like that. That would have been you know a little <laughs> play on good, words yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I want nauseous kill. I want nauseous that. kill. Right. Uh, Ken Fox of TV Guide also gave righteous oh. kill a, sc- a score of two stars out of four, saying, and I quote. The entire movie is one big buildup to a twist that, while not exactly cheating, plays an awfully cheap trick. To get there, writer Russell Gewurz and director John Avnet sacrifice mystery, suspense, sensible editing, and everything else one expects to find in a police thriller just to keep the audience off guard. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And the first real pairing of De Niro and Pacino since 1995's Heat is utterly wasted. I don't agree. Okay, I don't agree with that. It's uh, <laughs> he had a couple of good quick points there, basically. You know, he did. But, no, I, no, he did. The, the, I, the, when you name check the editing and the writing, as we point, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, let's see. But, um, well, Matt, what Claudia Pewig. Oh, sorry. Unless you want to say something about what Ken Fox had to say. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I again, I think, yes, right. Like the 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 the, the criticisms might be valid in in these cases. Um, but again, like, I just, I don't really know, like, I, like the screenwriter and, and the, the director, I almost kind of feel like it was like, take it and, and, you know, Emmett Furla took it and they just made the movie or something like I do. I mean, yes, I, the journeyman director thing. Yes. It's a, it's a fair criticism, but it's almost like, I think they wanted a journeyman director to make this movie. I think they, I don't think they wanted someone like a Scorsese to come in and like have their own ideas about how they wanted to make it. And not every not every movie director is an awesome craftsman. I mean, to yeah. criticize the fact that he's not a, a craftsman, I he think he crafted a bit, this great movie. He also yeah, made Red I, Corner, Fried Green Tomatoes, eighty eight minutes. Yeah, up yeah. close so that's, and that's, personal. That's, what, yeah, what's wrong so, with those? 
Yeah, so that's a bit below the belt. Just, oh, yeah. you're a craftsman. Or you're not a craftsman. Yeah, I mean, craftsman. Well, because they are obsessed with Scorsese or something like that for this. Right, like, yeah. right. Yeah, so you com- with that comparison, I believe, is a bit unfair. Well, um, and I, just, th- yeah. that's, I should quickly point out to, to uh, Mitch from Video Vacuum makes the same, because uh, he reviewed this movie, he makes the same criticism that it's, you know, they, they didn't get an A-lister director for it. And I, I think... I don't think that's a, a, a criticism we can make on the director, but I think we could probably make it on Emmett Furla, right? I think like um, or Emmett, sorry, Randall Emmett. I think um, they wanted a journeyman because they wanted to keep costs slow and they wanted to have more control over how the film was made, and and that's that's part of how we probably ended up with some of the issues here. Yes, and they probably wanted they didn't want the director to get in the way. They probably right. just thought De Niro and Pacino because no, like, fine, fine enough. Side. That's what people. Oh yeah, Adnan's okay. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fine. Adnan could well, take care. Adnan could. He could take care of together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Claudia Puig of USA yeah, Today, she said she gave the film one and a half stars out of four. Wrong. <laughs> See, only our criticisms are valid. We're just making fun of everyone else's criticisms. Only we can make fun of this movie because we do it out of place of love. I yeah, think that's okay. what's going on. All right, not, what did Puget they're, they're Sound just say? They're mean-spirited. Yeah. But, um, but what did Puget Sound say? Puget Sound said, quote, by the time the movie reaches its protracted conclusion, it feels like a slog. Pacino has a few funny lines, as does Leguizamo. She must be referring to, I hate that term. Yeah, um, I hate that term. But not, nearly enough, <laughs> but not nearly enough to save the film collapsing under the weight of its own self-righteous tedium. Uh, um, again, unfair. I mean, she thinks this is a slog. She should check out some of the movies we've seen. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Puget Sound. Uh, <laughs> Peter Travers Try watching, has uh, what was that, Plughead movie? What was that garbage one? Oh, um what do you call it? The one where they're stuck in a tank, uh, Iron yeah. Thunder. You yeah, think this is watch, watch that, Pewit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. He has a good zinger here, so get ready. Okay, okay, okay. Travers, hit me. He gave, he gave Righteous Kill one star out of four, saying, some people think Robert De Niro and Al Pacino would be a kick to watch just reading a, reading a phone book. Well, bring on that phone book. Righteous Kill, a.k.a. The Alan Bob Show, is a cop flick with all the drama of Law & Order AARP. Oh, very good. <laughs> I'll take that one. I like that. Yeah, one. that's a good one. So, also, so that's, a, that, that's a good zinger. I like yeah. that Travis called him Bob. Yeah, it's like it's well, like that's what everyone who knows him calls him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw Bob the other day. So maybe yeah. Travers knows Bob. And and someone gave this a, a positive uh, notice. It, what's, says, it, it end on a positive. Then we can I, will, I will end on a positive, and that's all I'll have to say. Well, how about Unless the extra positive for the Blu-ray coming soon? <laughs> well, that's what should be happening. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, before I get to, because I want to end on a positive note, I do want to say there is, uh, I do have a note here saying, as of February 2009, 778,760 DVD units had been sold, gathering $60.9 million in revenue. So somehow they know that, uh, which is interesting. Um, so less than a million people bought Righteous Kill on, uh, on DVD. Well, that's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> However, t- Tim Evans for Sky Movies, which is that from the UK? Sky yeah, it must be. So, th- yeah. so, we'll come, so this is interesting. This is from a UK perspective. Okay. Uh, it's remarked that the film was, and I quote, an effective whodunit. But more hmm. importantly, it poses refined, complex questions about how the law operates in a so-called civilized society. Unquote. So Tim, t- uh, Tim Evans actually like really thought this was like a serious piece. Because um, I feel like there was something there, a couple of nuggets in there of like maybe being even better than really could have been. They were with trying like, for that. With the De Niro on the on the train, maybe and some other yeah. Turk related material. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like TRM or something. Yeah, TRM. Yeah, TRMs. 
and and this is not a criticism. This is just another bit of trivia I found where uh, when Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Brian Dennehy are speaking about the murder and investigation of Bob Brady, De Niro mm-hmm. says, seriously, Lieutenant, how far do you want us to go with this Rambo murder? And Dennehy was the main antagonist, Sheriff oh. Will Diesel in First Blood. Right, right, so, right. So kind of interesting there. Um, so that because, Dennehy, yeah. Right, I wonder if Dennehy's like, oh, uh-huh. Remember I fought Stallone, didn't do anything. <laughs> and now I'm fighting Rob Deerdeck, how far I've fallen. <laughs> well, actually, he's gone up. So let's all hope for Righteous Kill 2, the return of Rambo. And maybe yeah. we can learn like the backstory of Rambo. It, it's more like from his perspective. So you get maybe all like a lot more Rob Deerdeck. I would love to see the uh, unreleased footage. You know, that'd be great to see it. if there's any more Deerdeck or Van Lightens or <laughs> anybody, you know, uh, a, the priest. killed after two seconds and then De Niro you know, showing up at the crime scene. Like, uh, which I don't know why I'm criticizing that, but just the fact that because they have to show up, I guess. But it's just that it's, it's so repetitive. Oh, the se- like one second after he gets, he's dead. Oh, I'm right here. <laughs> uh, well, because so, like Law and Order understands that for a 43 minute procedural, you can only do that so much, right? So like you can only have like Lenny and and whoever showing up so often before you've got to cut to the Sam Watterson prosecution phase right. of it, right? So they at least understood that from a from a, a TV show standpoint, you can maybe get 20 minutes out of that. Um, and that's about what this film should have probably thought it could have done. But it tried to get about, well, you know, about an hour, hours worth out of it. Well, that's um, the thing. It's like, well, do you like Carmichael, Matt? Or do you like uh, Kincaid? <laughs> or do you like... Uh, Boy. Yeah. I mean, do you have a favorite, you have a favorite can, female second chair? <laughs> I, I could buy Matt some time by saying, guys, I'm a Carmichael all the way. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all Carmichael. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think who my favorite, you know, you mean like working with Watterson. Working uh, with McCoy, yeah. Yeah, was um was was Elizabeth Rome, right? I'm trying to remember what her. <laughs> okay, that's the correct answer. It is yeah. nice. Because her, her flat delivery is kind of more in my wheelhouse, really. Yeah, it's like, right. yeah, I'm, I'm a prosecutor, Jack, I'll go get him. Yeah, you find me because I'm gay. Yeah, find me because I'm And don't forget she was a hostage negotiator in that plan. <laughs> right. so never before or since. I mean, I also like the guy who was from Chronicles of Riddick, um, and I can't think of what his his name, his actor's name is um, in in real life. But um, I, I want to say like he was oh, what what is that actor's name? You know who I'm talking about though. He was like um he he was like the Furian guy in Chronicles of Riddick that like uh um, only character actor guys. Yeah, he, he was in the uh, DA's He's office. Like trying to remember uh, what was his wow what was his well, name? Not I can't Linus remember. Roach. But yeah. And I definitely, I definitely agree with you on the Kincaid factor. I, I mean, I remember her, um, her and her twin sister in Dead Ringers. Um, so, um, you know, Hennessy. I, I, right. I've always been a fan of Hennessy. So probably, probably, yeah, you're probably right. She's probably more of my favorite. I you guess. like Kincaid? Okay. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah more than than. I never Rome, liked I Carrie Lowell. Never liked. She tattled on McCoy. Yeah. Um, all those years. <laughs> she was ago. kind of I'll self-righteous. Never, she was yeah, kind of I never. Yeah, that's a good point. I never supported um, uh, Lowell. So and like, Joe Hennessy is really good in City on a Hill, I should also yeah. say. I should always go, and Crossing Jordan, but we should probably yeah. wrap up. Yeah, because um, this isn't the Law and Order show. This is the Righteous Kill show. <laughs> yeah. It's the Righteous Kill program. So, so anyway, there's on. Righteous Kill. There's our breakdown. You know, the listeners Hopefully tell us people what you enjoyed think. it. If you liked it, we'll do another one. If you didn't like it, you know, maybe because we talked about doing Malone at one point. We still yeah, like we'll try to do that. Like this one or not. But um, 
we're just trying something new and uh you know i think it went well i mean like i think it went well i had fun doing it i mean yeah there's almost the same running time as the movie hour as the movie that's true right. <laughs> if we go five more minutes we could I, the credits okay. would be rolling right about now if you yeah right. i think it was as when zero says bye rooster i'll miss you or something he didn't say that but it's like <laughs> we said well when my daughter called and asked about rooster or... i what she did not call about rooster all right I, i'll round okay. up all right well, you, don't, up. you don't want to throw a knife into the into the counter like uh no, okay, but oh, Matt, do you want to uh, shoot up the plugos? Final so, thoughts. Final, yeah. final, oh, final thoughts on Righteous Kill or plugos? I, both. Yeah. Okay, well, Matt, go I ahead. mean, I think final thought on Righteous Kill, kind of from my, my, my own review of it, I just said that, you know, I think we expected something. We, we What we got in 2008 was probably our best bet for what this movie could be with these two. I think we. People going into it in 2008 expecting what we should have gotten in 1989 from those two, and we never got because nobody made a movie with the two of them together at that time. I think that's the problem, right? You got to see this. And, and granted, that you know, the, the Irishman comes out in 2019 and, and kind of gives us a different idea of what could be could have oh. could have happened with these two. But you know, I think this is it. This is two guys doing a celebrity basketball game, right? And mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, they still got it a little bit. They got it, you know, enough. And it's it, for what it is. It, it, it's a it's a fascinating and fun entry into the annals of cinema, right. I guess. Right. I, I, I concur. I think that's a good way of looking at it. It's like, you, mm-hmm. I think where the critics went wrong is they're, they were imagining what this should be in some sort of imaginary world. We're looking at it's it as what it is. what it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. today's world. Something else. Exactly. Yeah. They're picturing something else and they're comparing this movie against their imagination. Yeah. We're looking at it from it was. Of what right. it really, really is. Yeah. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, you'll have a very fun time in front of your TV screen. Well, I can't agree more. So yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a great masterpiece of a movie. I look forward to watching it a fifth time. <laughs> oh, <'cause I'm> like, <laughs> well, give it a couple of years. I would say. Yeah, I, I can't. You don't, you don't want to overdose on, you know, there's, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. I, mean, I agree. Know. I agree. So I guess we'll too do much O'Doul's. Uh, you don't want too much O'Doul's. Yeah, I, if I do yes. too many O'Doul's, I'll rewatch it again. It's like yeah. uh, drunk on power. You'll find, <laughs> if, if you haven't taken your cell palmettos after drinking all those you'll find <laughs> exactly. yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to call it Tim Meadows. It also would be uh, a great. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he did lose the Razzie to Love Guru. That's kind of like um, the, the, that other character he did. Um, what do you oh. call it? Oh, oh yes. you're talking about the ladies' the love man? Master. The ladies', the ladies man. man. That's right. <laughs> yes. The, the love master. Yeah. I don't know. I would have gotten it in a second. I was. I was. Yeah, I know. I know. How, how can you think about the ladies' man? Like twenty-year-old sketch. But oh yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. So Matt, you want? Any vlogs? Uh, DTV kind of sorted up blogspot.com. That's where you can kind of find everything. That's the site. That's where the reviews are. Um, I did review this movie back in um, boy, what was it? Uh, uh, twenty two thousand and nine. Um, so wow. right after so, it came out. Yeah, so so November November twenty first two thousand nine. So so I have reviewed this. I used to do non direct to video movies on Fridays. I, I call them the wild card post. But for the most part, it's direct to video stuff. Um, so yeah, so the, the so there you can go find that. Um, the podcast, uh, DTV Connoisseur Podcast or DTVC Podcast. You can find that pretty much anywhere you do. Um, you 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 find your what, what major podcatchers, right? That's what we yeah, say. Classic podcatchers. Uh, all yeah. your major podcatchers. You can find that there. Um, had have had both. The Comeuppets guys on multiple times. Um, I think um, one of our more popular ones recently was the Dudikoff, uh, Unsung Dudikoff. Unsung uh, Dudikoff, yeah, I'm yeah. glad to hear that. 
Yeah, where I have both yeah. you guys on, and then um, yeah, Ty has come on to do. We're kind of doing like this, this um, sort of this project of going through the new Bruce Willis film. So Emmett Furl Oasis is somebody, or you know, the Emmett Furl Oasis team is someone we're familiar with, and we've seen. Um, this is actually compared to some of these these Willis slogs that we've seen. I think some of those critics who didn't like this movie, they should sit through a few of those Willis slogs that we've gone yeah. through, and you you might sit find this to survive be... the night or survive the movies. I called it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So then so. let's see. Oh, and your uh, your book. Yes, the novel. Home and um, Arms. <laughs> Holtman Arms is the newest one. That one's out still. You can pick that one up on Amazon. Um, look up Holtman Arms. Um, Chad and Accounting, um, another one, and um, Girl in the Gun. Hoping in August, I'm hoping to do my final read through of the fourth novel, Don's uh, House in the Mountains. I'm got about 250 pages left of the, of the read through, um, and I'm hoping to have that out in August. Um, so fingers crossed, we'll, sure. we'll make that happen. But in right. the meantime, of course, go buy the other novels for sure. I always always appreciate <laughs> that when people do that. And uh, as far as us, I mean, we did not review this movie for our. I was about website, to say so that we did not review this movie, but we thought this is it. a um, this is a uh, podcast exclusive. So if you yes. want our opinion, you have to listen to this podcast because there is no written review. Uh, and now, Ty, as far as the, check out the other uh, reviews on comeuppance.net. Sure. Uh, but as far as the social media sites like Ty Action Rocks, uh, Ty Action Rocks is Instagram. I posted Class of '99 today. Uh, Ty comeuppance on Twitter, but if you want to. And uh, we're on Facebook under the website name. That's it. So, that's it. So that's uh, it. So I guess we'll be right. We're right. Just killing it, which will be the uh, title <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> yes. Well, so that's what our, the title will be. So um, thank you, Matt. Matt. Going on yes. this righteous journey with us. <laughs> yes. As, as much as the movie might have been wrong, just this yeah. <laughs> conversation was absolutely righteous. Perfect yeah, way so to end it. Perfect way it, to end it. That is, you're adding new, you're like Shakespeare, you're, you're inventing words. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Which is what he did all the time. Well, if you uh, can have a poem by, uh, you know, oh, oh, you know, I should have, you know, Ty, I should have written one so I could cap off the episode. I'm not yeah. kidding. Yeah. yeah, well, maybe on the, maybe on the next maybe episode. Maybe on the next episode. Well, you know, we like to have these continuations. Yeah, we'll do a continuation of We'll that. try to do a, yeah. a poetry boy style rhyme. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Or, or Papoose style rhyme. Yeah, Papoose. Uh, it's only about Papoose. I don't care. Papoose. Uh, <laughs> so on behalf of Turk, Rooster, Papoose, and the gang, uh, and Stubby, and, and Van Huygens, and all the rest. No Stubby, no. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Any, just any friended thoughts? stubby. Yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> yeah, bad timing. <laughs>